was so nervous I forgot to put my glasses on, so I think today's already an improvement. <laughs> Jonas didn't give me a topic um, when I was planning. I, was, I thought it would be Wimbledon time, so I thought I'd talk about tennis. Uh, but all I could find in the Bible was that um, David served in Saul's court. Um, so, anyway, bit of a laugh to get the nerves out. Okay, let me see if this works. If you've got the technology, you must be a good speaker. Hey? That's what they're saying. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just pray that this morning you open our hearts. I pray that you don't let me get in the way. I pray that you speak to each one of us. Lord, um, you love us so much. You love us so much more than we have any idea about. And I pray that in some way today we can grasp that just a little bit better and understand your character and your nature just that little bit better. So bless this time, the next two and a half hours that we have, Lord, um, as I try and edit my speech, and um, just allow us to have a great time in your name. Amen. All right, I will try and narrow it down. We'll just see. Um, as a question to, I wanted to start with. Has anyone ever heard the idea that Christianity is not a religion, but a relationship? All right, put your hands up if you think it's a religion. Always the odd one out. And put your hands up if you think it's a relationship, which is wonderful. I'm going to sit down and you guys can go and have coffee, <laughs> which is good. All right, if we look at the second slide, let's have a look at this. Because I do think, as I was planning, there was, there was a lot that I was thinking about. And I was thinking, do you know what? Sometimes we do the right things, but we do them all for the wrong reasons. And I think if you do them for the wrong reasons, it can totally influence the way that things happen. All right, so we're just going to look at this. A relationship is the way in which two or more people or things are connected. Keyword, connected. Or the state of being connected. Um, oh, thank you. Uh, it's a state of being connected by blood or by marriage. It's the way two or more people or groups regard and behave towards one another. There's the relationship. Religion, on the other hand, is the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal God or gods. All right, now, we believe that God is superhuman. Do we believe, and I think some of us do, believe that he's controlling? And that's one of the questions I would like to talk about this morning. Okay. Um, is it a particular system of faith and worship, i.e., is it rule-following? Is that what Christianity is all about? Is it a pursuit or interest followed with great devotion? Okay, and hopefully you're looking at that and you're thinking, well, do you know what, I think it's a mixture of both. And it isn't. You'd be totally wrong if you thought that's Steve. So, well done. <laughs> okay, can we go to the next slide, please? Uh, I'm going to start in Matthew, uh, sorry, in Mark chapter 12. I don't know if you can read that. I know it's really small, so sorry about that. Right. Uh, verse 28. So Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law asked Jesus, of all the commandments... Which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher. The man replied. Okay. 
That comes from uh, Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Jesus speaking, and he's quoting the Old Testament. And the love your neighbor as yourself comes from Leviticus, chapter 19. Uh, But just after that, it says this. It says, in Deuteronomy, it says, Write these commands that I have given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you. Get them inside of your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on your doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. You kind of get the feeling that it's a little bit important for these guys. All right, this is what they had to do. Clearly, it was so important. In Judaism, that, uh, that first, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and your mind and all your strength, is part of the Shema, Shema which is a three-paragraph prayer. It's the first paragraph in a three-paragraph prayer that Jewish people pray every morning and every night. Okay, it is the core, the crux of our religion, of our relationship with God. Okay, um, let's have a look here. Okay, the man replies this. He says, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. And to, love your God, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Okay. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far, Jared, from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. I love the way that's just added on at the end there. So what were burnt offerings and sacrifices? In the old days, um, God would appear in the pillar of uh, cloud and fire and so on, and he would lead his people. But there was no internal relationship between God and his people. Okay, um, So what would happen was the, the people would try and obey all the laws, all the Jewish laws, and they would fail. And then when they failed, they would burn calves or bulls or goats or whatever it was to try and atone for their failures. That would make them right with God and they would be fine. But what happened was that the people started thinking, do you know what, I don't need to behave properly because all I need to do is sacrifice an animal and I'll be absolutely fine again. Okay? It's the modern-day equivalent of me saying, I don't have to be faithful to my wife. I can just go and have sex with somebody else and then I can just pay her a hundred bucks and it's absolutely fine. Okay? That's how horrific the Jewish, uh, the Hebrew, the Israelites became. They started to just be this dull, boring routine of sin, sacrifice, sin, sacrifice. And in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11, God says this, which was quite surprising. He says, The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams and of the fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. None at all. A really, really harsh harsh message from our God. Okay, what does it mean? It doesn't mean that he hates the idea of sacrifice. What it does mean is that God hates mindless duty. He hates dull routine. He hates an empty religion. He hates people who come to church every Sunday just because they have to come to church every Sunday. We have to join a connect group. We have to go and help with the teas and coffees. If, if no one else is selling the church cups, We have to sell the church cups. He hates people that just do that because there's a sense of obligation or a sense of, oh, we have to do this because we were told to do that. 
And we need to get that in our heads, that he says, what good is that to me? Okay, he's not our employee. I mean, we're not his employees. He doesn't die on the cross for us to gain a bigger staff. Okay, the God who made everything doesn't need our help. And we need to understand that. If we start getting confused and start thinking, hold on a second, I just need to do what I'm told to do, God says, I hate that. I hate that because it's just like these mindless sacrifices of the bulls and the rams and the goats. So we need to understand that. Don't blindly obey. It's not about don't swear, don't have sex with other people, don't steal, don't, 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 don't. Do go to church, do go to connect groups. Do, do, do. Do you remember that song? Do, 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 don't, don't, don't. That's not Christianity at all. No one's laughing, so I guess maybe it's too old. All right. It's before your time, Steve. Thanks very much. Yeah. Was the world in black and white then, Steve? All right. The idea is not that we have all these issues around us. The idea is that the idea of the sacrifices in the Old Testament was so that a way could be made clear to God. And somehow we got confused, we as Israelites, and we started looking at these other things. And that's distracted us totally. All right. So we have to love God. That's our commandment. Christianity is the only faith that has a God of love. If anybody asks you, well, why should I be a Christian? Say, it's the only faith where there's a God of love, where love is one of his names. Okay. Um, in one, can we have the next slide? Thank you. 1 John 4, 8. This is from the Message Translation. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. You can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. Doesn't that sum it up very well? Can we have the next slide, please? All right, we're doing a parenting course um, in our connect group at home at the moment, and it's by a man called Danny Silk. He's got a really good... Lots of really good ideas going on. And he's published a book, and in that book, he talks about a culture of honor. And there's one aspect where, in that book, he talks about the different class systems. Now, each of us are quite bound to our class systems, and each of us will judge the other class systems as being foolish. Okay? So, what we have is we have a lower class structure, a poverty class, he calls it, American poverty class. And when they go to restaurants... The thing that they are most interested in is getting the most food for the minimum dollars. Okay, so they want all-you-can-eat buffets, two for the price of one. It's not about the quality of the food. They want to leave feeling stuffed. Oh, I can hardly even walk. I ate so much food. I'm coming back again tomorrow. That idea. The middle class section who have money, they look down on that. They go, that's not the right way to do it. They will look at the quality of the food, but they will also look at everything else. So they will look at the atmosphere. The lighting has to be just right. The service has to be good. All right, otherwise they won't go back. Very prone to whinging and very prone to getting what they want. And I think um, we can all picture that sort of person. 
But then there's the upper class, the very, very, very wealthy. What do they look for when they go to a restaurant? Okay. Now, they have so much resource that that no longer becomes the issue for them. So they are looking for the ultimate thing that they can have. They are focused on art. They are focused on beauty. They are focused on rarity. They want the thing that hardly anybody else can have. Okay, so you hear these three-star Michelin chefs, and they make that. Okay, why would you go and spend £1,500 on that bottom left plate? Okay, now, we all look at that and we go, yeah, I'm part of this. But where's God? What class do you think that he belongs to? All right. Is he the, I just want as many people as I can? Or is he the guy, do you know what? I want the ultimate, the most valuable thing that I can possibly find. And I'm willing to pay the biggest price that I can for it. That's our God. All right, so how valuable are you to God? You are so valuable that he would sacrifice his son. He would make that son pay the ultimate price, his death, for you. We need to understand his heart for us. It's not, he's not a get as much as you can, two for the price of one. He has given everything for us. And for us to have a mentality where we can just sacrifice a bull, or we can just go through the routine of church and Christian life without a focus being directly on God, we are essentially mocking him and we're mocking the gospel. All right, it's never about what we do It's always about our heart and who we're doing it for. And we need to get that in our heads. Last time I talked about Mary and Martha. Do you remember? Mary and Martha. They both have the same three letters of their name. Mary and Martha. Sorry, I don't have to spell it out. um, Look at how different their acts were. Okay? One was standing there going, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to do this. And the other one sat at the feet of Jesus and said, I just want to be with you. And who did Jesus support? Okay. It's never about what we do. It's about who we do it for. And that is why it's about a relationship, not about a religion. And we're going to keep coming back to that point. There's a delightful story, I don't know if you know, but a little boy who spent ages and ages and ages making a model boat. Okay, And he put it onto, to, um, to the lake and it got blown out to sea and the boy lost it. And he was devastated. But then he saw it again in a second-hand shop uh, about two or three weeks later. And he went to the man and he said, that's my boat, I made it. And the guy said, I don't believe you. He said, it's for sale. And if you can pay the price, then you can have the boat back. And the boy said, I will, I will, I will. He said, right, I'll keep it on reserve for one month. That's all. And the boy went and he did every single odd job that he could do. And he raised money. And eventually, after a month, he went back to the shopkeeper and he said, I've got it. Here you go. And when he walked out of that shop, you could hear him saying, just under his breath, as he held this little thing, he said, you're mine. He said, I made you and I bought you. You're mine. That's how much God loves us. He made us and on that cross, he bought us with his blood. And we live our lives thinking Christianity is a religion. Go to church, Go to your connect group, serve coffee, get involved in whatever else you do, but we forget about who it is that we're doing it for. 
and that's what we're doing. Can we have the next slide? We'll move the f- from the food. All right, if we think Christianity is a religion, what will we do? All right, we end up becoming the advert instead of the reality. We start making our children behave properly because they need to represent us in church. Do the right things. Don't cry. That's what they do in Asda. Keep your child well behaved. This is church. No, all right. If we are a religion, that's our attitude. Okay, we're a second-hand car salesman, pretending that what we've got is great and ignoring the spaghetti that's in our minds. Everything is all, you know, torn and ripped apart, and each one of us have these issues that are we're dealing with, and we need to deal with it in front of God, but what do we do? We hide it, and we pretend that everything's great. How are you? Absolutely fine. Having a great time. I pray every morning and every night. It's wonderful. And inside, you're just in this turmoil. That's how we live as Christians. When you mistake religion for relationship. All right. Is this everyone okay? All right. Please understand that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the guy, you know, follow my lead. I'm totally messed up, totally struggling through this. But this is what I believe God wants to share with us today. Okay. He's died. Do you know the accounting term, tedelestai? Okay, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said, Tedelestai, which is, it's an account, which means totally paid in full. Okay, so we were in debt. Tedelestai, it's gone. We have this free channel to God. What are we going to do with it? Right. Okay. God is, I've got here slide seven, but I can't remember what slide seven is. Ah, there we go. Right, just keep that. God is the most misrepresented misunderstood being on earth. Our images of him are distorted by our relationships with our own fathers, with our quagmire of our upbringings, with our fears, with our limited dabbling in the Bible, with our greed, with our priorities, with our busyness, with our history. I remember uh, when we were in Dubai, Caroline and I, um, they used to do a thing in their church called Sozo, which is I don't know, some of you will have heard of it. It's about spiritual cleansing, I guess. And so many people in my church had said, oh, it's amazing. You're going to go there and you're just going to pray and God's going to give you these pictures and visions and it's going to be so cool. So I sat down with Jeff, a friend of ours in our house, and he said, right, we're just going to pray. God, just show Paul what you want to show him. I was so excited. And there was nothing in my head but blackness. And I said, Jeff, nothing's going on. He said, are you sure? <laughs> Is it broken? <laughs> it was broken. No, it wasn't. Um, I said, yes, it's black. It's black. I can't see anything. And he said, okay, let's pray again. God, show Paul what you want to show. And nothing came. And after three times, he said to me, he said, Paul, listen, I think there's a problem with your own earthly father. Let's go back to that. Let's address that point, And then we'll try again. So he prayed. He said, God, please show Paul the issues that he has with his own father. And then all of these things came to my mind that had never come into my mind well, for years and years and years and years and years. Okay, I'll give you one example because I think that this is a process that we all need to go through and we don't need anybody else to be there with us. We can just pray, God, show me what you want me to clear up. Okay, when I, was in, when I went into um, the first year of secondary school, my dad wrote a note because I was going to quite a good school, which had a good swimming team. 
and he read a note saying, can Paul, dear swimming coach, can Paul please train alongside the swimming team because we want him to stay fit and healthy? And then we went to the trials at school. I gave them the letter. And she wrote a letter back to my dad saying, no, he cannot train alongside the swimming team. He's part of the swimming team. He's made it. And I thought nothing of it. I was swimming. I was happy. I lived a life of sports and activities. It was great. And then that night with Jeff, that popped up. And I said, but I don't understand why it's here. He said, okay, God, show him why it's here. And what happened was, in my little head, my 13-year-old head, I had interpreted my dad's letter as him not believing that I would be good enough to make the actual team. And I'd been harboring that insecurity without knowing it. And I was about, I think I was 36 or something when we did the Sozo. I'd been harboring that for 30 years, or whatever my maths is great, however many years it is between that number and that number, without realizing it. Okay, now there are obviously, we all have issues with our parents when they are deliberately bad to us, or they are abusive, or they are not there for us, or whatever. But there are also these issues that we have with our parents where by no fault of theirs, we've misinterpreted and we pick up these issues. And unfortunately, that impacts on the way that we see God the Father. Okay. When you're in the media and you hear about pedophilic priests, that impacts how we see Christianity. When you come to church and you look at all these weirdo Christians that are sitting next to you, that impacts on your ability to understand God. When you think about Christian history and you look at the way that God came in and this God of love and he says, you know, there's only one commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength. And then you realize that Christianity has been used throughout England as a policing structure to keep you on the straight and narrow and get these serfs on all these manners behaving properly. And then you realize that those priests that were pushing everybody into line have been doing a bit of dirty work behind the scenes and the whole fabric of our trust and our belief is eroded. Like my computer, which is no longer working. Maybe I wasn't supposed to say that. Do we understand, do we, sorry, do we understand that our understanding of God isn't just in um, how we react to, you know, two minutes reading the Bible every day and um, praying every now and again. It's so much more than that. So much of what we see in our daily lives infiltrates our ability to trust and believe in the God that we love and serve. And we need to be aware of that and we need to start doing things to make that better. Are you with me? Are you okay with that? All right, good. Okay, so um, sorry, let's find my place again. Okay. We as a people long for freedom. All right. When you go to a restaurant, and this is part of the course we're doing at the, the parents' course, when you go to a restaurant, do you ever go to a restaurant where there's only one meal and you have to have it? No. You go where they have lots of choice. We choose our friends. We choose the clothes that we wear. We choose our phones, our apps. We choose our lifestyle. We don't want to hand over control to anybody. And we come to church and we think, God wants control of us. He wants to lead us. You're not allowed to swear anymore. Or you're not allowed to do it in church anyway. You're not allowed to have all these affairs. You're not allowed to say bad things. You've got to follow all these rules. And we think, you know what? I'm really reluctant to give God my control. In fact, I don't want to give God, I mean, I don't want to give anybody anything. I want to keep control of myself. Okay. Well, there's good news. God does nothing to do with control. He doesn't want it. Look at the chaos in the world around. 
What does that one thing tell you? What's one thing that that tells you is what I was trying to say. What does it tell you? It's that God isn't seizing control. If God took control of this world, what would it look like? But he doesn't. Why? Because he treats us like adults. We're in control. We have all the control and all the power. Okay. Will God stand by your freedom? Absolutely. Absolutely, he will. Can we go to the next slide, please? All right. This is from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 10. It's the message, but I'm going to read this to you. Okay. I want you to tell me how much of this God is about controlling you and about determining what you're going to do. All right. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and he takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind and settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. That's the God we serve today. Isn't that amazing? Abundantly free people. And yet how many of us are these people? Don't swear. Don't have sex. Don't do anything. This is out of the video as well. It says, and wouldn't you like to be a Christian like me? Isn't this the Christianity that we share with our friends? Okay, God is saying freedom. God is saying have your way. He's only interested in one What's the one thing? Love him. Love. Love. Thank you, Robin. All right. So what does it look like to love God? How long have I been? Was it all right? Okay, good. All right. Um, What does it look like to love God? Well, it's the same thing as loving your spouse. It's the same thing as loving your kids. It's the same thing as loving your parents. All right. It's to spend time with him. It's the desire to find out and then want what he wants. It's to protect his desires. It's to want to protect your relationship with your words, your decisions, and your actions. That's what it means to love God. I've got a whole stack of letters, a big box, that uh, my wife is Caroline. She's a beautiful girl over there in the white. And um, I've got this big stack of letters that she wrote me when we were dating. I was in London and she was in Zimbabwe. I wish I knew what they said. Never read them. When we were when we were living in the same country, um, I would spend at least three, maybe four, minutes a day talking to her. Um, when we got married, I always thanked her for the food. Dear Caroline, thank you for the food. 
uh, in her name. And if I, if I wanted something, I would ask her, you know, can you give me this in your name? I didn't swear, I didn't do anything bad. Once a week, I would go to another room and I would hear other people talking about Caroline. What's my relationship like if that's my marriage? But isn't that the same thing? We have all these letters from God. I might read them one day. You know, you don't really need it. When we speak to God, how much time do we spend with Him? Two, three minutes a day? We ask Him for stuff. We thank Him for the food. And um, we come to church and you hear other people talking about Him. But where's your relationship with God? And none of us are perfect. Most of us are so far away from God, it's unbelievable. But He's willing to pick us up from wherever we are because you're still that valuable thing. You're that 1,500-pound food, whatever it is, that he considers the most valuable thing that's worth him giving up his son for you. God, the all-powerful, all-being, all-knowing creator of everything, is only interested in your love. That's it. Okay. In Matthew 7, verse 21, it's a harsh message. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. How can Jesus say that? If you're casting out demons and prophesying. And the answer is simply, I never knew you. What does he want? He just wants us to get to know him. That's it. He says, you were so busy doing stuff, you forgot about me. Don't get so busy that you forget about me. Okay. So are we totally free to do whatever we want? Absolutely we are. Jared's not. Oh, we can pray about that afterwards, Jared. All right. Are we totally free? Yes, we are. Is God going to control us? No, he's not. Which gives us total freedom. We can choose to do whatever we want. We can make good choices. And we can make bad choices. We're totally free to do that. Okay, we need to get that into our head. You were totally not free, then Christ died, and now you are totally free. Free to love him, free not to love him. And we need to understand that because we need to realize that we love the God who gives us that freedom. And when you love the God who gives you freedom, then that love will naturally start to change your behavior. And we understand that. Uh, Abigail, who was sitting here, she gave her life. And she said, oh, I prayed the prayer of salvation. Was that because of all the rules that she had to follow as a Christian? Or was that because she just loved God? And today she celebrates, and tomorrow we're going to give her the list of rules and say, right, now you sign that contract. <laughs> this is what you've got to do. No, I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing, beautiful thing. But it's the love that wins. Christ could do anything he wanted to us. How powerful is God? Okay, but what does he want? What does he want? He just wants our love. And the thing about love is you can't force it. It has to be a voluntary gift. That's what he wants. And he says, if you love me, you will obey me. Because if you love me, you will want what I want. Let's think about Christ. Okay, God didn't send his son to die for us and then start loving us when we were clean. God loved us, and the love sent the Son 
to die for us. And that made us clean. His action stems from his love, not the other way around. Okay, now I have to go and die for these people. When will this effort ever stop? What are they going to expect next? That's not God. All right, he's, I love them so much. And they are really hurting. What can I do for them? I would give my life. And he did. He offers us a two-way relationship. And it could utterly transform your life. But you do have to respond to it. We sing, if God is for us, who can be against us? Answer is, the whole host of demonic activity, <laughs> the whole lot of them can be against you. But they've already lost. They can't even read your thoughts. They're a bit useless. And one other thing can be against you. And that's you. You can get in the way. All right. You've got all the power. If you love God, you've got his heart. If you've got his heart, try to be like him. That's the idea. So are we totally free? I'm going to say this last thing and then we're going to um, pray. If I love Caroline... Am I free to sleep with other people? Answer, yes, I am. But I won't if I value the connection that we have. So my behavior will be totally moderated, not because of the commandment, but because of the relationship, because of the love. Okay. Why did God give all of those commandments then? Is he a hypocrite? Does he want our love or does he want our behavior? And the answer is this. The commandments are there to bring wholeness, fulfillment, and blessing. That's important, but they're also there to reveal God's character to us. Okay, for example, do not commit adultery. What does that do? It shows us that God is a God who values faithfulness. It shows us God is a God who values intimacy. It says, you can trust me to have these values, and once you trust me, now go and live like I live. Be Faithful, be intimate. Isn't that lovely? Keep the Sabbath. That's not God saying, keep the Sabbath, Victor. It's saying, you're working hard. Go and have a rest. Go and enjoy your Sunday. It's wonderful. Okay, you don't have to feel, it's not a guilty pleasure. It's like, oh, I'm going to take rest. You know, in the, in the airplane, they always say, you put your mask on first before you put the mask on the little one. What sort of models are we going to be if we're totally exhausted and burnt out? He's saying, have a rest. Renew your strength. And then you can start looking at all these other people. So fascinating. I didn't know this before. But obey does not mean do what I say and do it now. Obey means to hear intelligently. Okay, so listen to this. In Genesis chapter 27, it says, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. We hear obey, we think obey. But in Exodus chapter 3, the same word, God says, I have seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry, for I know their sorrows. The word heard is the same word, obey. And what God is saying is he's not going to obey the people. He's heard their suffering. Intelligently, he is now going to respond and help them. That's what he says when he commands us to obey. What he's saying is, hear my voice, hear my heart, now respond intelligently. That's what he's telling us to do. It's for our benefit that all these rules come into being. Okay, isn't that a lovely relationship that we have? 
Behavior will show up in love. Love will not show up in behavior. God is not a God of arranged marriages. I didn't fall in love with Caroline because she told me not to sleep with any other woman and to make her tea every morning. Okay? Those things were my pleasure because I loved her. Think about a school bully. You will obey everything he says, but he will never know your heart and you will never know his. And sometimes we see God, I think, as a bully. He's trying to push us into line and force us to do these things that we don't want to do. When Peter betrayed Jesus and he saw him again after the crucifixion, he's denied him three times, and Jesus is sitting on the beach with him, what does Jesus say? He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And then he says again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Now, it's really important. First of all, Peter was Jesus' name for Simon. Peter meant rock. But he calls him Simon because he says, this is not my name for you. This is your identity. You are Simon, the son of John. Do you love me? And he's saying, Peter, I'm not going to choose for you. I'm not going to force you to do it. It's totally your choice. Do you love me? And when Peter says, yes, I love you, that's when he says, feed my sheep. He doesn't say, feed my sheep to prove that you love me. First, establish the relationship with God. Then, engage in the behavior. And it always needs to be that way. All right. God is the safest place on earth. When we fail, run to him. Don't hide from him. He's amazing. All right. So I would imagine that there are a few of us here who are struggling in our faith. Or we're struggling to have a relationship with God. Or we're struggling maybe to get out of a, a, a rut. Or we feel like we are moving too much into routine. It's become boring. It's become dull. It's become repetitive. We're just doing things. We're just going through the motions. All right. If that's you, and you'd be brave enough to do it, just stand, and we'll pray for you. Now, if you feel like you need to work on your relationship with God, get rid of all those distractions that are standing in the way, get rid of all the duties and things, and get closer to your Father, who sees you as the most valuable thing in life, then stand up now. And I'll pray for you. Do you see Christianity as a chore or a duty or a burden? Stand and we'll pray. If you can see someone standing next to you, you just gather around them. Give them your support. Put a hand near them if you feel comfortable with that. Or just have them in your thoughts as they stand now in front of their friends and their vulnerability and in their weaknesses. All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your love. I thank you that that is all that you are. You're not a God of judgment or a God of revenge or a God of vengeance. You're a God of love. I thank you, Jesus, that you love each of these people here, sitting and standing. 
I thank you for the hearts of the people that are in here, sitting and standing. I thank you for the vulnerability of the people that are standing for you today. And we just pray for renewed strength, renewed vigor, a renewed awareness of you and your character, of your freedom and your grace and your love just to splash into these lives. Lord Jesus, you help these people to see themselves the way that you see them, as light and as valued and as accepted beyond anything, as adopted sons, as heirs of your fortune. Let them know who they are in your love, we pray in Jesus' name. Open channels of communication and just be with them, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Anyone who has issues with um, people around them, uh, parents, kids, <laughs> we all have parent kids issues, um, with friends, uh, with um, jobs, with work situations, with anything along those lines. If you want, please stand and we'll pray for you again. So anyone, issues with family, friends, uh, with jobs, with anything that are anything that's standing in your way of that abundant freedom that God was talking about in Ephesians chapter 1, then please stand or raise a hand. And if there's somebody near you, please just reach out to them and just pray for them as they're going through. Okay, thank you for standing. Okay, Lord Jesus, you know what these people are going through. Again, we thank you for vulnerability. We thank you for openness. Lord, I thank you for this, this confession that not everything is perfect and we need you. And we need you in our lives, Lord. And life can be so tangled, so complicated, so full of spaghetti that we don't know whether we're coming or going, Lord. The ball of string is knotted and tied up. And I thank you that you are the one who can unravel it, straighten out the path and be there for us. God, you are a God of wonder. You are a God of healing. You are a God of restoration, of repatriation. You can bring light into any dark situation, Lord. Your death on the cross has set us free. Free to love you. Free to trust you. Free to believe in your ability to work in people's lives. And we pray for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this message. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your character. Lord, we get it wrong so frequently. Uh, we do things out of our own strength. We do things because we want to be there for you, but sometimes we forget. And sometimes we worship the, the Christmas present rather than the Christmas present giver. And Lord, I just pray for strength this week. I pray that you can open up our hearts so that we can be willing to be with you, Lord. May our relationship not be three or four minutes a day. May we pray constantly. May we get to know your heart. May we learn to protect and defend the relationship that we have with you and that you have with us. I praise you that it's a two-way love relationship with a loving God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, Paul. It's fantastic.
I know that would have taken so much time, and it seems like it took so much time to prepare, didn't it? That was so considered and so much, so just full of so much stuff. So um, I believe that would be available on podcast. I don't know about you, but I think it's something you'd need to chew over and, and mull over and go back to. So um, you can go on the Alive website to find that. Um, this kind of brings the service to a close, but there will be a prayer team at the front.